Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. right into this. Now, how many have been enjoying, we've been doing a series on knowing the gift and the call that is on our lives. You've been enjoying it? Thanks for the one amen in the anointed section right here. The rest of you maybe need to go to church more. No, I'm just playing. Um, I'm not bitter, I promise. But it's been fun. It was kind of a series that we organically moved into and ended up being, I was going to cram all of these seven things into one sermon and it's been spread out over a few different messages. We introduced it with really talking about how the call of God is not something that's out there floating around. The call of God, and it's not something that's only for people that are in ministry. How many know every single one of us have a call of God in our lives? Like you have a, God has a plan and a unique purpose for you to fulfill in the earth. And the call of God is simply this. Let me just give the basic definition. What God wants you to fulfill and accomplish in life. That's the call of God. And how many know the call of God? It's not some exclusive thing. It's inclusive. Every single one of us, we're called to minister, to witness, to manifest Jesus. We're all sent to serve, to love, and to reveal Jesus to a broken humanity. And the call of God is not just for church staff people. The call of God is for business men and women. Hello? Sales people. Uh, people that in the workplace in the political realm? How many know God wants us to manifest who he is in every realm of society? And so what we dove into is like, well, how do I discover what I'm created for? Because we could talk about it in a broad sense that, okay, yeah, we're all called to preach the gospel, whatever that means, you know, or we're all called to love people. Okay, I got to love people, you know, oh, we're all called to, you know, shine as lights in the world and live a righteous life and like all this stuff. But what is the unique destiny and purpose that you have, not just us as a community, but that we have individually. How many think that's important? See, when you come alive in your gift and calling, the church thrives. The body of Christ does its part in the earth. So we have to be released in our unique anointing and calling. So we've been on this journey. We talked about the anointing. I'm going to recap really quick the first few things that we discussed already. I'm just going to go right through it. And if you didn't hear um, some of these messages, you can Catch them on the YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel, Encounter NY, or you can uh, listen, of course, it's Spodcast on Spotify, and uh, just download our app. Did I say Spodcast? Yeah. <laughs> Grab that domain, Josiah, spodcast.com. Brilliant. Brilliant. Million dollar idea. Yes. How many of you have 10,000 million dollar ideas? I'm just waiting for one to pop, man. Just waiting for one. <laughs> I can't wait to write a big check for the building fund. Oh, glory to God. So uh, you can go to Spotify podcast. Thank you. Our youth pastor made fun of me. Wow, thanks, Josiah. I love you. By the way, plug real quick. How many were here Wednesday night? Wasn't it incredible? Come on. Can we th- if you're here Wednesday night, let me hear if you really enjoyed it. You might have seen a few pictures up there, but we really want to encourage you to participate on Wednesday nights. We had an awesome launch, first and third Wednesdays, and then every fifth Wednesday, um, we're going to do a night of worship, prayer, and prophetic impartation. But we come together here around 6.30. We might be bumping that up a little earlier. We eat together. Then we come in here. The adults come in here, round tables, um, and we have different groups, and there's a time of teaching, and then we break out in the groups, 
and have a time of discussion and prayer. So it's small groups, but it's a big family gathering. We have uh, stuff going on for the kids, and we also have youth in the cafe. Now, youth is every Wednesday night. How many love our youth ministry, our youth pastor? Come on. We just bless you, Josiah. We honor you, man. I feel like there's going to be such a synergy, though, because we're all here together. And man, it was just a beautiful time. Somebody texted me and said there was just something really uh, significant about Wednesday night, and I could feel it too. So if you weren't there, please come uh, this next Wednesday, not this one coming up, but the one after, right? What is the date? Somebody help me out. Um, the 16th is our next one, okay? And so we'd love to have you. All right, so let's go through these real quick. Uh, how can we know what God has created us to do individually? God, what have you called me to accomplish in life? Let's look at the first one. One of the first ways, look at your own heart. What does that mean? What are the passions that God's branded your heart with? Well, I love this and it makes me come fully alive. Well, those holy passions, those sanctified desires that line up with scripture, God put those there. The Bible says he's given us a new heart. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13 that God gives us the desire and the passion to do what pleases him. So one of the first ways is don't look outside. What makes you come fully alive? We love the quote. I'm going to just say it again. It's an old Howard Thurman quote. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come fully alive and then go do it because the world needs you fully alive. So that's number one. Look at your own heart. Go back and listen to the message. Praise God. This is a recap. Number two, watch how your heart connects with others. Sometimes you will link in heart with people that share in a similar calling. And it's good for us to be around those people, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to, to, uh, to be lifted up into our call and what God has created us for. Number three, watch how the Spirit of God or your spirit, your heart, rises up within you when you see certain needs. How many know that God has not called us just to criticize things, right? A lot of times we get stuck on criticalness and all we're doing is criticizing this, 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 and this instead of becoming what the world needs. So God doesn't want us to criticize the lack. We need to become the more. And sometimes when something irritates us, frustrates us, bothers us, it could be poverty, it could be foster children, it could be things not organized. Watch how what in you rises up to want to see change. That might be something that God's called you to fix. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. Okay, number four. You might have a flash forward. How many were here last week and heard my wonderful Disneyland story of my traumatic experience? Were you here? Raise your hand if you were here. Yeah. I'm not going to tell the story again. Just go listen to it, though. You'll really enjoy it. I had a traumatic experience, and I have a flashback. But how many know sometimes we have a flash forward? God will give us pictures in different times of our life where we imagine ourselves doing something. That's an indicator. God might be calling you to do that thing. Amen? And then number five is watch how people respond to you. How many know if you're gifted, if God's anointed you, then there's a tangible effect that will have on, on your surroundings. So if you have a gift for something and, um, and, and people are like, man, you know, that was incredible. God might be calling you to do that. Like there is a tangible reality of something that flows through us and people are like, man, you, you're really good at that. And so don't just do a bunch of things good. Find the things that you're created for that you can do great. And it's usually connected to your calling. All right. Are you all ready for number six and seven? I'm not going to go through these as fast as I just went through one through five. 
because this is the closing of these seven things that we're looking at to help us discover what God's called us to do. All right, praise God. I'm going to catch my breath. Number six, the sixth way, look what you're doing right now. What are you doing right now? It's not that complicated. Sometimes we complicate it. What you're doing right now may not be exactly what you're called to do, but in seed form, you might be exactly where God wants you, and what you're doing now is connected to your calling and gifting. So we have this idea that our calling is out there floating around somewhere in the air, and one day we'll grab a hold of it, or one day someone will call us out and say, this is what God's calling you to do, and it's like, wait a minute, like, I can, the call of God, the same way the kingdom of God, the reign of God is in our midst, the call of God is right here, is upon us individually. So we have to look at what we're doing now. I think we complicate it sometimes, um, usually because we're not content. And we try to make it about something else, but maybe God's just waiting for us to be content. It's always good to learn contentment, not complacency, but contentment. To be happy. How many of God wants you to walk in joy? Things don't have to be perfect for you to walk in joy. Come on. You can walk in joy. Joy is eternal. You have Jesus in your life. You have the Spirit of God, and the Father loves you. And so there's something beautiful about just learning to be content. And the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. I love that because it's almost like there should be a pursuit for more, but at the same time, a contentment. I heard it said this way one time that it's like having a dissatisfied satisfaction. We're always wanting to grow and go further in what God has, but we're still content in where we are. We value what's in front of us. And, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about, like, how God, he wants to bless what we're doing right now. How many know that? But we like to complicate it. In the beginning of this, this series, we talked about, you know, the passions. Look at our passions. How many, uh, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I first heard this and and I'm, I'm like, all right, what am I passionate about? If, God's call, if I'm passionate about something, the first indicator that God's called me to do this, I need to really look at my passions. So then I start thinking about my passions, and I'm like, well, I'm passionate about food. Maybe I should, amen. Who's passionate about food? Any foodies in the house? Come on, somebody. My wife and I used to love when we travel because we're like, all right, let's go on TripAdvisor. Number one restaurant on TripAvisor. Let's go. Oh, man, $70 a steak. We'll split it, baby. Let's go. Come on. But there's something about discovering your passions, and I'm like, wait, maybe God's not called me to do that. Um, I'm passionate about my family. How many think that's good? I'm, I'm passionate about going to movies with my wife, romantic comedies. Come on, somebody. No, not really. Not <laughs> Come on. Who has time for that? Romantic comedies. Action. I want to see some action. Now, actually, I've learned 22 years of marriage, learn to love what your wife loves, right? Just watch a chick flick, y'all. Just do it. I remember one time we, we were watching a chick flick. My wife had some friends over, and me and my spiritual son, Laris, were there, and there was this scene. It was just such a glorious scene where the prince in shining armor shows up and tells the woman he loves her, whatever. I don't remember what movie it was. Pride and Prejudice, hogwash. And... Uh, we're looking at the girls' faces at that scene, and they all had this cheesy, weird grin. I call it the chick flick face. And they're just like, huh, I wish my prince had come. And then I, I look over at my spiritual son, Laris, a little tear. And then I'm like, uh, what? I'm dogs. <clears throat> hey, Laris, let's go play football. All right. 
So we're passionate about things, but we complicate it. It's like, God, how many, how many are passionate about vacations? Woo! Come on, somebody! I've learned that there are good vacations, and then there's ones that are not vacations. Kind of like my story I told last week, which I won't tell again, but you go to Disneyland and have bad experiences. I've learned that I love vacations because we need to rest. How many believe God wants us to rest? How many believe God wants us to go on the sandy beach of the Caribbean? Mmm, hallelujah. You see, when I look out my window in Rochester and I see snow, I call those things as not as though they were. I look out and I say, you are white sand. And then I imagine a blue sky because God knows you ain't going to see a blue sky up in here. You are the Caribbean ocean. It doesn't work, but I'm still working on it, guys. I, that's why I got to go on vacations. But sometimes what I've noticed is we go on vacations. We love all-inclusive resorts because they include everything. They include food because you know you got to eat on a vacation, right? They include uh, spa credits, praise God. They include airport transportation. That's always nice. You get picked up, somebody with a sign with your name on it. Wexler, they don't ever say it right either. But they go, like, they include all-inclusive resorts. They include the fun. <laughs> Thank you. One fun guy in the whole congregation. It's pretty full in here too. One thing that our vacations do include, though, is a detailed itinerary planner. Isn't that nice? We, it's really complex. Sometimes it gets a little too complicated, though. And we have uh, uh, the one that we've had when we go to this all-inclusive resort. Um, it's the same one we get every time. And her first name rhymes with Michelle, and her last name rhymes with Trexler. Um, yes, it is my wife, Michelle Wexler. And it's like you have these things. We've got to do this, this, this. I- I've learned to embrace it, though. Like, if, if we want to do family photos, if I don't show up, my wife... Like, how many husbands have been married a while? You just learn how to say yes, honey? Yeah, such wisdom, right? Praise God. Just bow. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. At least I make her think that's what I, Okay, praise God. No, I'm just playing. But sometimes on vacation... It's like instead of rest, we're doing all the stuff, and we've learned to balance the two. And my wife is like, so we complement each other. Sometimes it's like, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this. we got to sightsee. We're here, whatever. But then it's like, hey, baby, let's just sleep in. Ah, oh, we're on vacation, praise God. Instead of that, let's just go to the beach. And then it's like, all right, we're all going to go. Let's go. But sometimes we do the same thing with our calling. We think we complicate it. We think it's someday, somewhere out there, but it's possible The call of God is connected to what you're doing right now. Stop complicating it. Enter his rest. Learn to be content. You know, it's interesting. In Matthew 14, we see the story where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And and I love this because the, the disciples are like, we don't have any food. He's like, well, what do you have? Well, Lord, I'm paraphrasing. We just got some fish sandwiches. That's about it. Five loaves and a couple fish. Who wants a fish sandwich? You ever, I actually enjoy fish sandwiches. Put some tartar sauce on them. Oh, glory. I haven't had bread in a month, man. I'm on a diet. Can you all tell? All right. I'm, I'm quitting the diet. I'm quitting. The, I'm going to Wegmans. I'm going to get some of that fresh Italian bread. I'm going to go to that place in Fairport. The bread with the salt on it. What's that place called? I'm going. No, I'm just playing. I'm not. Can you really tell I'm dieting, though? A little bit. Thank you. Don't flatter me. Just tell me the truth. Okay. 
whatever, my wife can tell, so that's what matters. I forgot what I was saying. I don't even know what's happening. Fish sandwiches. The disciples are like, Lord, all we have is five loaves and two fish. Here's what Jesus said. Bring it to me. You see, you have something that God wants to bless and multiply. But you got to give it to Jesus. What are you doing right now? Because what you're doing now is connected to your call. Let God bless it. Own what you have now so God can bless it. We all know the scripture, to him who has more will be given, and to him who doesn't have will be taken away. I remember reading that one time. I'm like, Lord, that is just rude. So everyone who has stuff, they're going to get more. And the people that don't have nothing are going to stay having nothing. That don't sound right. But that's not what the scripture is saying. He's talking about stewardship. Let me read it to you in the Amplified, Matthew 25, 29. For everyone who has, has what? Values their blessings and gifts from God and, has, and uses them wisely, more will be given. Jesus is saying, if you own what God's giving you, increase will come. But then he says this. But those who don't have, because we're ignoring or disregarding the blessing, or if I could add the call or the gifts of God, even what we have will be taken away. In other words, we're left with nothing because we're not watering the seeds. Maybe in seed form, what you're doing right now is connected to what God's called you to do. So be content, own it, and watch God bless it. You might feel like all you got is an old fish sandwich, but God wants to feed thousands with what you carry. Come on. The last thing, how many is ready for the last thing? Number seven, prophetic confirmations. How many know all throughout Scripture, God used that? And I want to talk about the understanding of the prophetic. I think we should value the prophetic. I also think we should make sure that we're, we're doing the prophetic, lining up with Scripture, and also lining up with the covenant that we're in. How many know we're in a new and better covenant? You know, we can't string scriptures together in the Old Testament to proof text our idea about something without taking it through Calvary. Because we are in a new and better covenant. All of scripture is inspired and authoritative, but we're not under ceremonial law. You know, there's a lot of atheists that are atheists because they believe the Christianity that Christian fundamentalists has presented to them. The way we understand scripture, the way, and the same thing with prophecy. In the new covenant, we're not supposed to prophesy doom and gloom. As a matter of fact, if you look at the prophetic call, it usually is calling forth something that doesn't seem possible. We're not supposed to regurgitate MSNBC and CNN and Fox News. We're supposed to be declaring what heaven is saying and what heaven is doing in the earth. Oh, I'm going to get excited up in here, man. I'm telling you, it's about time we embrace the prophetic gift and become the prophetic company that truly calls not the things that are not as though they were. 1 Thessalonians 5.20, I love this. Do not despise prophecies. Come on. How many know? And listen, the prophetic gift is really loving and foretelling and expressing God's love and intent for somebody. And it doesn't always have to be, thus says the Lord, ooh, where you're shaking and right. Like we super spiritualize everything. And when you prophesy, it doesn't have to be in King James. You don't have to say saith. Who says saith? You don't even have to say God says. You could say, you know, I just feel like this is how God is thinking about this situation right now. You can prophesy to someone in Wegmans when they're about to eat some good bread and you know they're on a keto diet. The Lord says, no, no, I'm just, <laughs> don't despise prophecies. We should have a value. And the value that we have for a grace that God gives 
usually determines how we receive that grace. If we don't honor something, we're not going to receive the blessing of what that thing is. Amen? If you don't honor me, you ain't going to receive my blessing that I have for you. No, I'm just playing. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So Paul says, first of all, pursue love. Because love is the gift. If we don't know how to prophesy in love, we have no business prophesying. But sometimes God will use prophetic things to confirm the call of God on our life. Man, I could tell you stories of how encouraged I was in so many different times by the prophetic gift. The Bible says, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Paul even says, I want you all to prophesy. Prophesying doesn't have to be an exclusive gift in the sense that there's only certain people that do it. In one way, we should all be prophetic because we're expressing God's heart and intent to one another. Prophetic things can come through just encouraging somebody with the scripture. You may not realize that you're prophetic, but you are. And that time of the day where you feel like, you know what, I just got to tell sister so-and-so. I was thinking about her, and I thought about this verse. I was reading, and I thought, oh, man, guess what? That's God talking to you to talk to someone else to give courage to them. So we want to be that prophetic company. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, let me just read these three verses here. Um, It says that encouragement and comfort is the reason for the prophetic gift. Let me read 1 Corinthians 14, 3 in the Amplified. It says, but on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification. What does that mean? To promote their spiritual growth and speaks words of encouragement. I love this. To uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God. Isn't that good? I've never read this in the Amplified, but it sure seems loud. Praise God. Whatever. Such a dad joke. I just need to stop that. When I do something like that, Rochelle, write it down so I never do it again. That'd be helpful. It says, and speak words of consolation to compassionately comfort them. Wow. God uses prophetic encouragement to help confirm things. You know, I remember different times in our our life where we're like kind of at a fork in a road. We're not sure, God, where are you calling us? What do do you want us to do? And and the Lord... um, Many times we're praying about a situation like, for example, when we planted the church, we were part of a denomination, and we, we felt like the Lord was calling us like, hey, we're not supposed to be a part of this denomination, but let's honor the, uh, the networks and the, the fathers and the people that are in our life um, and their ministries and, and kind of just be connected to them relationally. And, and so we're praying about it, and we're asking, you know, people's advice, and people are saying, how many know when you get prophetic uh, encouragement or confirmation, it usually resounds. Like it's not just one person saying one thing, like out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. They're, it's like it just keeps coming up. And so, you know, hey, we're thinking about leaving this nomination. And one of our mentors says, you know, I was always surprised you're actually a part of this nomination. We're like, oh, okay. But then we have a conference and this, uh, this school of ministry student from BSSM, uh, Bethel Church in Redding, California. She's like, listen, I don't know you guys. And she grabs us in the hall of our church. And she's like, I don't know you, but I just keep hearing this. And I don't know what it means. And so if it's weird, whatever. But I just hear this phrase, break away. And Rochelle, and she, I don't know if that means anything. I'm like, oh yeah, we know exactly what it means. I mean, no, it's so good to value moments like that where God uses somebody to come into your life to speak. Another time we're praying about moving the church to a different location. We planted a church in a a elementary school and we were outgrowing the elementary school and it was kind of a pain in the butt. Like 
a pain in the rear, sorry. Um, can I say butt in church? Yeah, I could speak King James up in here and just mess you all up, but I won't. Uh, Abraham sat upon his donkey. Okay, <laughs> fill in the blank. So it was a pain, man. We're setting up, we're tearing down, and I'm like, God, I feel like you're calling us to go somewhere else. So I take this brother with me, and we're walking down the downtown area of the city, and I feel like God wants us to just right here. This is where God wants our church, right in the middle of all right where the jail, people get out of jail and they walk right past our church, the bus stops right there. So we're walking and just kind of hanging out, talking, and there's not that many people around. Then there's a sister that walks across the, the crosswalk just, you know, about 15 feet from us. And she steps off the curb and she looks at us and we, we look at her and we're like, what is this lady doing? She's like, when I stepped off the curb, I felt the Holy Ghost. Little black, little black lady, man. I'm like, all right, we got to receive from. She's like a grandma, man, Holy Ghost filled. And she goes, God is about to bless your ministry. And she just starts prophesying. We don't even know this lady, man. God uses people to confirm where he's calling us to go. It was amazing. So then we walk by this building. We're like, all right, God's talking here. We're not just walking around. We see this building. This would be a perfect building, but it's not for rent. Well, let's call the intercessors and pray. They pray. Two weeks later, for rent sign in the door. Come on, somebody. Then we had a couple other obstacles, right? But when God speaks, how many know when God speaks, there's life, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do if we trust and believe. We water those seeds. See, sometimes we're praying for breakthrough, and God's like, I've already told you, just water the seed, receive the promise, and watch me bring it into fruition. God will perform that which he has promised. Don't get me preaching now. Come on, somebody. So we're, we're like, all right, this is great, but it's over a dollar a square foot. We're a new church. We've only been around literally nine months. God's grown the church, but, you know, we could only afford so much. I call the intercessors. Come on, somebody. Pray. We need a good deal. Let's believe for 60 cents a square foot. I think one of the intercessors is like, let's believe for less. I'm like, all right. Sounds good. Woman of faith, you know. Apparently, my faith isn't as big as yours. So. so they start praying. Guess what? Not only did the building come for rent, we got it for 55 cents a square foot. And then we heard from all the encouraging pastors in the area, they will never give you a use permit for a church on this block. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, but God said. But God. Come on, somebody. We end up getting an attorney with a very Italian last name that knows everybody. That's all I'll say right there. He usually charges about eight grand for this pro bono. And not only that, to represent us before the city council, come on, but the landlord hired their own attorney. So we have two attorneys. Talk about favor, why? Because God said, value what he says and watch what happens. But we have to make sure we're speaking the heart and the love and the voice of God through the right paradigm. God has not called us to bring words that another prophetic like brings comfort, encouragement. But we're not old covenant prophets here, y'all. Come on. We're not here trying to call fire down from heaven. You remember when the disciples tried that? Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. 
And what spirit are we? We're of, look at the way Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, the God-man prophesied to people, even people that seem to be like stuck in their sin, just showing up and looking at Zacchaeus in a tree, looking for Jesus. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house for dinner. That's it. That's all he had to say. You remember the woman at the well? Remember when he approached the woman at the well? A lot of us look at that story. It's like, oh man, this woman was a mess. This woman was sleeping around and she had five husbands. Lord knows what that woman did with her life. And then she's shacking up with her boyfriend because we read the one verse where Jesus says, he said, go get your husband. She says, I have no husband. He says, you're right. You had five and the one you're with is not your husband. A lot of times we look at that and think, oh man, he read her mail, but look at, and he did, but how many know that it wasn't this harsh, condemning voice from Jesus? It was actually, if you look at her response, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. I don't know about you, but if someone exposed all of my sin, I don't think I'd say, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. (laughs) I'd be like, dang, Lord, take it easy on me. You know that in the Greek language, when he said, he said, the one you're with is not your husband, could also mean the one you're engaged to hasn't set a date yet. What if through the prophetic eyes of the Father, Jesus, representing the love of the Father, was merely exposing not necessarily her sin, What about the five husbands? What about the five husbands? It could have been five men that rejected her over and over and over. She may have divorced them. We don't know. But it's very possible that she was just a rejected, broken woman. And may we as the people of God be the arms of the Father and make sure we're prophesying from the right paradigm. I'm not here to call fire down from heaven. Come on. I'm not here to condescend the world. I'm here to come under and serve and give drink to the thirsty. Come on. I'm not here to bring us expose somebody's sinfulness. I'm here to love them into the heart of God. The arms of the Father are wide open. And when Jesus came to the woman at the well, yeah, he probably read her mail, but maybe not in the way we think. So may we capture God's heart when we release prophetic anointings. Now, sometimes we overcorrect on the other side, though, right? It's like we think, well, God loves you, and and so just live your life and do whatever you want to do. How many of love doesn't keep us the way we are? Love says come as you are, but not stay as you are. And so we have to make sure we're speaking truth in love. We have to make sure we're releasing God's intent. And if God, if we're seeing something prophetically over someone's life, or if we're just in the practical sense, like somebody's just living a mess, hey, man, clean it up. That's not who you are. Like we should be bold and assertive because we know what love is. Love is not just some passive thing. Love corrects, protects, and transforms us to live the way God intended, to live in freedom, not to do what we want to do, but to do what he's designed us to do. Can you say Amen. So these confirming words, the Bible says, out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, and I'll be closing here in the next couple minutes. When it's God, when God speaks something to you through someone, the Holy Spirit bears witness. He's the spirit of truth. The Bible says, test the spirits to see if they're God. And guess what? If you don't think what someone's saying is from God, you don't have to shelf it unless you want to. I don't know about you, but I think shelving it is a bad idea sometimes. Because who wants a bunch of rotten words that aren't from heaven on their shelf? you'll end up a hoarder, uh, becoming a hoarder of dumb prophetic words. 
I feel like sometimes our spiritual shelves are full of prophetic garbage. It's a bunch of pathetic words, not prophetic words. I know I might sound harsh right now, but hear me. If you feel like it doesn't resonate with the heart of God, you don't have to receive it. You don't have to receive it. I know people like, man, I got this word. It's just bothering me. That's not from God. Now, if it corrects you to where it brings you in alignment with the heart of God, how many know that when God convicts, it doesn't push us away. It draws us near. It doesn't bring shame and condemnation. It reveals something that needs to be reoriented. And it's the same thing out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. And, and so there's this beautiful thing where there's this consistency. And we don't have to receive a word if we don't think it's from God. But if we think it's from God, receive it. Amen? Yeah. Lastly here, sometimes this happens in, in a prophetic company. Like prophetic things can happen in a moment of worship, in a song. It doesn't have to be someone praying for you and saying, hey, I feel like this is what God's saying to your life right now. And I want to encourage you. It could actually happen in the moment of worship where someone sings a song and, and it's almost like, oh man, God, you're talking to me. Or maybe someone else gets a word and you know that's for you too. Learn how to receive in an atmosphere of the prophetic. In closing, I remember uh, being on this ministry trip and I went to Reno. Who knows anything about Reno? It's basically a small, less cool version of Vegas, whatever. I'm from Vegas, so. But it's actually a pretty cool city. And I went there uh, to minister at this church, and it, it's this uh, wonderful church community that's actually still there. Uh, the pastors that we knew, though, now they're in Nashville. They appointed new leaders, and they were from uh, BSSM, so they graduated the Bethel School of Ministry, and beautiful family. And we went to this church, and I was preparing. We're on the plane, and I'm preparing because we fly in. It was a Sunday night, so we left our church, did two services. And then we got on a plane and we're flying in and I'm praying, God, what are you saying to this church? I start getting names of people in their congregation. I've never seen, I mean, it was like the most detailed prophetic stuff. I'm like, Rochelle, this is going to be wild, man. And so we show up and first of all, all I remember is the sweetness of the presence of the Lord. They prioritize the presence of God. It was like, no one else there mattered in that moment but that we were worshiping him. And I believe that that is something to take note of, that healthy prophetic cultures come from cultures that prioritize meeting with God first. And orienting at God, we surrender, we yield our hearts to you, what you're doing in the moment, what you're saying in the moment. The other thing is there was a rich honor in the community. We always can get better at honoring, learning the difference between flattery and honor, you know. We're not just flattering. We're, no, what does it mean to really see one another through the eyes of heaven and value who we are? But I remember I'm sitting in, the, and their kids are leading worship and just so powerful. I mean, it was like, man, I feel at home here. It feels like Encounter Vegas, you know. It feels like here. Just the presence of God is so tangible and real. And then at the very end, we, uh, both my wife and I minister, you know, we were there for a couple days. But at the very end of the first service, the leaders, which they didn't ask me, but I was there to serve, so it didn't matter. They're like, all right, I don't think we had eaten since, you know, like early that morning. Zach's here, so if you need a prophetic word, he's going to be standing up here, just come receive. The whole church lined up, man. It was an hour and a half of prophesying over people. But I remember how detailed these words were, and it was just like, boom, 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 flowing. It was incredible. And 
One of the reasons is because of the things that I just described. There's no doubt about it. I remember I was impressing myself. And of course, it's by grace. It's by the Spirit. I'm like, Rochelle, did you hear that word I just prophesied? That was kind of like Kim Clement right there, right? That was a little Sean Bolsey right there. Yeah, come on, somebody. But in, in the middle of it, I'm like, all right, stay humble. Stay humble. You're not that cool, Zach. Stay humble. But what an honor it was to release and express the heart and intent of the Father and bring confirmation to some of these people's callings, to bring encouragement, to bring consolation. And this is what the prophetic anointing is all about. And the reason I shared that is to pray that we together would increase and be a prophetic culture that's not super spiritual. You don't have to say, thus saith the Lord, but we can, we, you can say that if you want to, but we also wanna make sure that we're relatable and that we're honoring and loving and we're prophesying from a new covenant paradigm because God wants us to bring the prophetic, not just to the church, but to the world around. There's something in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul says, if you prophesy, the unbeliever will say, God is here and worship in your midst. That's what happens. You can prophesy to somebody in Wegmans. So may we, as a people of God, grow. There's a prophetic culture in this church that's strong. And may we grow together, that God would increase. Uh, We're gonna be announcing this. There's gonna be a a prophetic workshop uh, John Lampanero's gonna do. We're excited about that, equipping. There's gonna be an invitation to people that wanna learn more about the gift, the prophetic gift. And so we're gonna have a Saturday where we do that in March. It's gonna be amazing. So we wanna encourage you to come to that. Let's close in prayer. Would you stand up with me if you would, please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So I'm gonna pray for a fresh stirring in our hearts to release and increase the prophetic in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, as a husband, I wanna be prophetic to my wife. Not pathetic, but prophetic. I'm sorry when I am, sweetie. I wanna be able to know in my spirit, my heart, when she's going through it, but she's smiling. Sometimes we don't show people, but God knows. And God wants us to be that voice of encouragement. Sometimes if my wife's going through it, I wanna say, hey baby, I don't know what's going on, but can I pray for you? I wanna be able to prophesy to my kids. I wanna be able to see the stuff that we can stop from happening. I wanna be able to see, God, give me eyes to see, prophetic eyes to see when maybe my kids are just a couple degrees off But in a year, they could be way out, and I'm gonna pull them close. Sarah's over here, I know Sarah. I know my kids are thinking like every time, God gives them a dream or something, and then they just know, you know. Certain friendships, Sarah, just be careful. David, you know, Hannah, Josiah, Layla, and we're learning to be, because God wants us healthy and strong. God wants us to have insight. There's things we don't see, there's things that we don't know, but thank God for the spirit that breathes and moves. Can you say amen? So let's lift our hands. I'm gonna just pray for you. And maybe you're not familiar with the prophetic. Listen, God wants you to have it. God wants you to walk in it. And and we're excited as a church to grow in this together. And in just a moment, we're gonna have our prophetic teams up here. And anyone that wants to hear from the Lord and wants prayer, we want you to come. 
Amen. Lift your hands with me. Father, I just thank you for an increase. Lord, you're giving us your heart, your mind. Lord, we have the mind of Christ. There's a corporate anointing, a corporate prophetic well springing forth and increasing. We thank you for clarity. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for revelation and unveiling the heart of the Father to broken humanity. Lord, bringing encouragement, edification, consolation to the hearts of people. We receive it now. And we just ask you, Lord, let us hear, let us see, and let us have hearts to love like thee. I had to let it rhyme. Sorry, church. Come on, somebody. Would you just seal it with praise right now? Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We can have our prophetic teams, John, Grace, if we could have our prophetic teams come up right now. Honey, would you come up and dismiss? Listen, if you want to come up and receive a word um, and you want to record it, sometimes people will put it on their iPhone or their Android, their voice notes. I don't know what it's called on an Android, but just record it. And, uh, and you know, listen, if you need prayer for anything, come. Just come and receive and anticipate. So in just a moment, my wife's going to have you guys line up. And we're going to be up here. The team will be here. We had a line for service, and we expect some of you really want to hear from the Lord. So we love you, and we bless you. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.